Well, good morning. <clears throat> What's going on, church? Anybody excited to be here today? Yeah, all right. Hey, let's give Noah a round of applause for bringing out TV. All right, good job, Noah. Hey, it's awesome to be with you today. It's awesome to have you. If it's your first time, welcome to Revolution. My name is Nathan, and it is great to meet you. I would love to meet you after service. But today, like Julie said, we're kicking off a brand new series called Lace Them Up. Everybody say, Lace Them Up. Lace them up. We'll tell you what that means in a moment, but I want to quote the greatest rapper of my childhood real quick, Dr. Seuss. He says this. He says, you have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own, and you know what you know, and you are the one who will decide where to go. Man, Dr. Seuss has been spitting rhymes since before I was born. Dr. Seuss' books were always hard to read for me. I have dyslexia. It's like, man, he's rhyming all the time. What is he talking about here? Yeah, but I, I want to draw attention to this line. It says, you are the one who will decide where to go. And sometimes in life, we need this simple reminder. Our life is heading somewhere. You may not feel like it. You may feel like you're stuck in a routine, stuck in a rut, stuck wherever you're at. But your life is heading somewhere. Your, your life is moving. And here's the reality. And it's so simple. Wherever your feet go, you go. Right? It's like, that's, duh. Like, wherever my feet go, I go. But your life is heading somewhere. So let's ask this question. Where are you going? Where are you heading? What direction are you heading in your relationships? What direction are you heading in your marriage? What direction are you heading with your kids? Where are you going in your faith? Where are you going in your career? Where are you going? Because wherever your feet go, you go. And now you're like, Nathan, what in the world are you talking about? Like, wh wh why are you saying that? Because here's the reality. I think it's important just as, as individuals sometimes to stop and ask, where am I going? Where am I going? You're like, I don't know, I'm just living life, right? Or do I like where I'm going? Do I like who I'm becoming? And I think it's important for those of us who follow Jesus to stop and say, where am I going? Where am I going in my faith? And as a church, sometimes it's important to stop and ask, hey, where are we going? Like, what, what are we doing? And what, what's going on? And so I think it's an important question. You know why I think it's important? Because Jesus actually cares where you go in your life, what you do in your life. He cares about your story. We, around here we say, you matter. And he died for you. You matter to him, so you matter to us. And he cares where we go. Matter of fact, um, he tells his disciples at the very end of his life something about going. But before we get there, he has disciples. And maybe you're new to church. And disciples were, were these people who followed, his, followed him. They kind of went everywhere with him. There were, there were 12 of them and there's some more people that follow but there's 12 disciples and he would teach them and he would invest in them and they would follow him and they'd watch his miracles and be with him in his ministry and he would tell them often hey here's what it looks like to, to be a follower of mine here's where you're going and here's where you're expected to go but every once in a while while he's talking he would stop and say hey listen guys don't forget why I'm here I'm going to have to die. And they're like, no, 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 Jesus, you're not going to have to die. And Jesus would remind them, yes, I have to die. Remember, I didn't come for the healthy, but I came for the sick. And I'm going to have to die for the, you know, the sins of the world. They're like, no, Jesus, you're not going to have to. And then one night, they realize, oh, man, what Jesus said was true. Judas betrays Jesus. Jesus is arrested. He's put on a cross, and he crucifies. But the whole time he told, was telling them he's going to die, he kept saying, I'm coming back. They're like, what are you talking about? You're coming back. They would just kind of ignore him. But eventually, after he's arrested and crucified, three days later, he comes back. 
And they're like, whoa, Jesus was right. And then there's this meeting spot. He says, hey, go meet me here at the end of a gospel called Matthew. And the gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and they tell you of the account of Jesus' life. At the end of Matthew, Jesus is talking to them. I want you to notice what he says. He says, then the 11 disciples, there's 11 because Judas betrayed him. And so there's 11 disciples and they went to Galilee to the mount where Jesus had told them to what? Go, all right, so there's go one time, go. He cares where we go. And then when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, hey, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So what he's saying, he's like, listen to what I have to say. And then it continues, he says, therefore, and this therefore is connected to what we just read. Therefore, what? Go. go. Let's say that nice and loud. Therefore, go, go and make... Go, now do something. Make disciples of all nations. Go reach all people of all classes, of all color. Anybody you see, anybody you come eyeball, eyeball, to all, eyeball with, reach them. Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Have them do this act where it represents coming into a new life. So baptize them. And then teach them to do what? To obey everything I've commanded you. Teach them to live like me. Teach them the, my ways. Teach them the, what I offer. And as you go... Here's the promise. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus is with his disciples and he says this word, go. He's like, go. And in the Greek, this is a word, perome. And it means as you're living life, like Dr. Seuss was on to something, as your feet are taking you somewhere, as you're living life, because everybody is going somewhere. And he's telling them, as you go out to your homes, as you go out to your communities, as you go, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to make me known and I want you to spread the message of who I am and what I've done and what I offer everybody. So he says the same thing to us. As you wake up in the morning and, and your feet hit, hit the floor, how, how many of you are like uh, snooze people? You gotta hit the snooze a couple times, right? Like, yeah, right. But what, when you hit the snooze a couple times, you're ready to go. So as you get dressed, you drink your coffee, you got your Starbucks, you know, some of you look like white mocha people, right? You got your iced white mocha. As you're going to, to your workplace, you're going, as you're going to your schools, as you're going, you know, if you're a stay-at-home parent, as you're parenting your kids, as you head into your marriage, as you head to the sporting event. Some of you need to hear that, right? Sporting events are coming up. I've seen you with the referees, right? That's why I got my shirt on today, right? So as you're going out in life, as you're going, as you're going, let, tell people about me. As you're living life, as your feet are taking you somewhere, because you're always going somewhere, tell them about me. So Jesus says this, kind of in paraphrase, come follow me, and then go out to all the world. So I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Like we're we're kind of in this weird transition season, and we're still into it. And we're in this really cool period where a lot of new things are happening, and a lot of transitions happening, and God is moving still, and God, we're growing, and awesome things are happening. We're just stepping into this chapter. So I've been thinking a lot. Where are we going? Right? Where are we heading? What do we want to do? And so what, what I kind of came up with, I, I like phrases every once in a while, but I want to be a church that goes. Right, that, that, that the church that's on a move. And so here's kind of what I summarize what Jesus tells us to do. To know Jesus. We want every one of you here, before anything else, we want you to know who Jesus is. Because we believe Jesus, and we know Jesus saves, and we know Jesus changes our life, and we know that Je when Jesus is in our story, our story changes. That Jesus is the only one who saves. And then we want to make Jesus known. We want people to know that they matter. We want people to know that Jesus can change their life. We want to go out into our communities, into our work places, into our families, and make Jesus known. And that's where this series comes from. Lace them up. Everybody say it again because you were so good at it. Lace them up. Lace them up. 
Lace them up. I love it because it's the idea of shoes, right? And then when I think of this idea of lace them up, you know what I think of? I think of go do the work. And my, my, my Uncle Rico mind r- r- kind of flashes back right away. And it flashes back to playing sports. So I got my basketball shoes. I'm lacing them up. I got my cleats. I'm lacing them up. Man, anybody miss those days? I do, right? Like, I wish I could. I still try to lace them up. I just move very slowly now, right? But you lace them up in this idea. Like, you're going to work. How many of you wear work boots to work? Right? You got to lace those bad boys up. You don't, like, you don't want to sometimes, but you lace them up, right? And you get to work. Teachers, I said this first, I don't know what you wear, shoes, sandals, but you put those on and you head into those classrooms. Doctors and nurses, you guys wear some funny shoes sometimes, but you're putting them on and, and you're going and you're doing the work. So this idea of lacing them up is this, this series is like, hey, we're going to lace them up so we can go do the work. And it's really motivated by this. Anybody collect shoes or resell shoes in here? Right? It's a very lucrative business. Do you know the most expensive shoe ever sold? Let me show it to you. It's this. It's the Jordan 13. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, man, Nathan, you're showing Jordan's your LeBron guy. Listen, I am a LeBron guy. I believe he's the GOAT. Michael Jordan is good, but he sells the most shoes. He's the greatest shoe salesman of all time, right? So here, these are the most expensive shoe of all time. They're game-worn from the 1998 NBA Finals. You know the one where he pushed off, okay, right? That, that Finals, right? He, these sold for guess how much? Two point. Two million dollars. So you can buy Michael Jordan's stinky shoes for 2.2 million dollars. Do you know what the most popular shoe is according to a study in 2021? The white Air Force Ones. Anybody wear those in today? Oh, come on, guys. We got to get relevant. We got to get these shoes. Come on. And then I did a little like synopsis of the last 10 years I've been in Indiana. I was like, what is the state shoe of Indiana? Somebody said, hey dudes. And like, they're close, right? We got like five pairs of hey dudes up here today. Some people said work boots. I said, not so fast. Here it is, the state shoe of Indiana, the croc, right? Here it is. How many of you wore crocs today? Now that's a problem. We got more crocs than Jordans in this church, right? But the idea of shoes, I love the imagery. And so every week, we're going to show different shoes to you and use them as an illustration of a, of a reminder, of a faith principle, of a, a lesson. So every week, we'll cover different shoes. But why I love this idea of shoes is because when I think of Jesus giving this great commission, this command, I think of shoes. I think of him telling his, his boys, they didn't have Nikes, like, you got to lace up those donkey sandals, right? Lace them up. You got to head out into the world. And I, and I think as, as you go from Matthew and you go, kind of go to the book of Acts, which is a, the early church, you see that G, it's a movement. And we were never called just to be a gathering. What we're doing here is awesome, and gathering is so important. But we need to be a church that goes beyond our walls. That's a movement that goes into society, that goes into our homes, that goes into our neighborhoods, that goes into the workplaces, that where we're going, we're being a movement for Jesus. And we need to be a church on the go that's moving making Jesus known. It's making Jesus known. And what I love is that if we were to stop and say, hey, we could jump in a time machine and go 10 years in the future. If we stopped and we looked back and we said, hey, were we successful? You know what it's gonna, the gauge is going to be? It's not going to be how many people filled the seats because it's awesome. We want them filled. It's not going to be how awesome our worship team is, and they're awesome. It's not going to be how great our, our student ministries were or our kids' ministry were. Those things are all important. I think it's going to be, were we a church that was willing to lace them up or you got your Crocs, flip them in sports mode, right? If you flip them in sports mode, you're ready to go. We're going to be judged or we're going to look back and say, 
Were we a church that was willing to go beyond our walls? Were we a church that was willing to reach people that no one else was reaching? Were we a church that was willing to drop our pride or egos and go and reach people and bring them back? Did our heart break for the people that God's heart breaks for? Did we go to the least of these? Did we reach the people who don't know Jesus? Did we lace them up and go? See, I came across this quote in a, in a book this week. It says, in the first two centuries, it was not Christian worship that attracted outsiders. It wasn't, the, it wasn't the gathering. It wasn't what was happening in that gathering. It was Christians who attracted them. And the outsiders found the Christian attractive because of their Christian lives. Then the early church, that when they gathered, that wasn't the attraction. The attraction was as these, these disciples, these early disciples of Jesus were lacing them up and going out in society, going out to the, the workplaces, going out when they were servants, going out to wherever they were going, that they were living in such a way that people saw them and were like, listen, I want to be like them. History tells us actually in Rome, when, when certain parts of the city would be quarantined, right? They'd be because they were sick and people would move those parts of the city from those parts of the cities and the sick would stay. Do you know who went into those sick parts of the town to help them? It was Christians. It was Christians who would go and reach the needy and take care of the widows. It was a church on the move. And Jesus tells us, hey, listen, as you're living life, as you're going, people are going to look at your marriages your relationships, your, how you treat people, how you act towards people, how angry you get in the drive through at McDonald's, how angry you get when you're ordering your coffee and they give you the wrong coffee. They're going to watch and they're going to look at you. And Jesus says, live in such a way that makes me known that they look at you and it's like, man, I don't know what they're doing wearing those Crocs, listen to worship music, but I want to be like that. That brings me to a verse that a, Paul, a man named Paul wrote. Paul was a missionary who went, and, and he wrote this letter, and we're, actually the last week of the series, we're going we're gonna to look at this entire chapter and say why it's so important. But he wrote these words. He says, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who lace them up and bring the good news. That bring the good news. He says, listen, there's a reality that everybody who follows Jesus is willing to go. Not everybody is willing to lace them up. Not everybody is willing to go do the work. He says, but if you are, if you wake up, put on your shoes, you lace them up, and you're ready to go out and make Jesus known, he's like, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of Jesus. And there's a promise with this. And he goes into this chapter. He's like, listen, as you're going, and Jesus said, as you're going, he, I'm going to be with you. That as you're going, God's going to start working. As you're doing God, you're not going alone. God's going to do some things. And, and you're going to see, start to see some change. And if you want to see some change in your communities, in your neighborhoods, in your family, you got to be willing to lace them up. And Paul says, you're going to be able to look back and say, hey, man, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And so when I look at this, it's like, man, we got we to gotta go reach people. We got to go. We got to go out of business trying, right? We got to try to reach as many people for the gospel, as many people who don't know Jesus as possible. We got to help them find Jesus. That's our mission, to help them find Jesus and to live like him or to know Jesus and make Jesus known. We have to be willing to lace them up and go. So what I want to do is I want to give you a little cheat sheet. This whole series is going to help us, and it's going to end in four weeks looking at five things, or how do we do this? And so this is what we mean by lacing them up. 
to know Jesus. Again, that's every one of us know Jesus on some level. We're not all gonna be in the same spot, but we know Jesus. And then we're willing as a community to get involved, to get into the game, to serve, to be generous, to, to fill the needs of the church, to take the opportunity. All of you have this awesome ability that I don't have. You get to go work with people and you don't have to say you're a pastor, right? Like they don't have to look at you like, you know, like six heads sometimes, right? You get to go work with people who don't go to church, who don't know Jesus. Some of you are bosses. Some of you have influence. All of you have social media, right? You got to take the opportunities in front of you to, to get involved or take the opportunity to let people know about Jesus. And that leads us to make Jesus known. And then the fifth one is to invite others. So that's what we mean by lacing them up. It's kind of the, our, our check card. Like, hey, are we doing these things? As a church, are, are, we, are we doing this? Or do we need to work on certain areas? As individuals, am I doing this? And here's why we want to do this and lace them up. So we can be, as individuals and a church, be who God calls us to be. So we can go where God calls us to go. And we can do what God calls us to do. But if we're not willing to lace them up, we'll never be who God calls us to be. We'll never go where God calls us to go, and we'll never do what God calls us to do. And so today, th this is going to be one of those conversations that maybe not the most fun, but maybe one ones that's needed. So I, I want to look at a word, some words of a disciple uh, of Jesus named Peter, and he writes this letter to a group of Christians, and, and he's going, and he's going to tell them to go, but this kind of talk is going to be one of these things like, hey, let's do some self-evaluation. Let's sing. Uh, am, am I being who God calls me to be? Am I able to go where God calls me to go? Am I able to do what God calls us to do? And this is kind of the first step in that. So this is what Peter writes in, sec in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says this. So get rid of all evil behavior. Like, hey, easier said than done, right? right? Get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with the seed and hypocrisy and jealousy and all unkind speech. And this is just kind of a reminder that when we follow Jesus, like, it's the, it doesn't happen overnight. But there's a transformation, that, there's, there's, there's a change in our life. Like we're, we're starting to see something new and experience something new. So he's like, kind of step out of this old life. And this is kind of how we do it. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. So cry out for this milk now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. And that's kind of like, what, what's he talking about here? And he uses this really easy illustration to understand. He's like, anybody ever seen a newborn before? Anybody ever experienced a new, newborn in their life? Raise your hand, right? You know them? What do they do? What are they really good at? Crying, right? They're really good at crying. Did anybody have a baby that was just a crier? Like, they just cry all the time. That's what Natalie was. Like, I thought she was broken. Like, she just cried all the time. Like, nothing's working, right? She's just crying and crying and crying. And why do they cry? Because they want some food, right? Some of us still do that, right? Some of us still need Snickers, right? Like we, we, we get hangry, right? And so they cry and they, they cry because they want food. And they're crying and they're crying and they're longing for this food. And Peter's like, hey, you know how babies do that? I'm like, yes, I understand that because Natalie never stopped crying for six months. Like she cried all the time. And I just craved sleep. She craved milk. I craved sleep, but I wasn't getting it. So she wasn't getting milk. No, I'm just kidding, right? She got milk, right? But they cry for it, and they cry out for it, and they want it, and they long it. And Peter's, you, Peter's like, you get that? Yes, I get that. Peter's like, exactly. That's how we should live. He's like, you and, and your faith should crave knowing God and being close to God and being in his word and going to church and being around other believers so much that you crave that nourishment 
Now, it's interesting. He says milk here. In other times in the New Testament, kind of milk is referred to as something bad, like immature. But in this instance, it's referred to like the good substance. He's like, you should crave that substance. You should crave. He's like, you, he's like just like newborn babies cra crave milk, you should crave to want to grow in your relationship with God. You should crave to know more. You should crave that deep relationship. And why I love the imagery of a newborn baby is because it reminds us it does start simple. Like we, sometimes we make it complicated and one of the things that I think is a, a sin for us to do, not necessarily, but like let's not make it hard for people to know Jesus. Paul says, hey, don't make it difficult for people to come to Jesus. And so it starts simple. Like you may not know all the words of the Bible. You may not know where to start. You may not know the words of the worship song yet, but you know, hey, Jesus offers me something that no one else offers. He can save me. He can change my life. He's the secret to everything. And so it starts simple. And no one expects it to go deep right away. Like Natalie didn't come out and uh, Whitney's womb and be like, hey, Natalie, let's go have steak tomorrow. Like, that sounds good, right? Like, no. She eats milk and then eventually she gets some salad food. They introduce her the, the manna from heaven, ranch dressing, Hidden Valley style, right? And she loves it. And then, then I make the mistake of giving her an ice cream cone and her li eyes light up like I've never seen before and she desires that. And now she's eating salad food. And then, and then she wanted to, you know, sit up. And then she wanted to crawl. And then she's going to want to run. And then she's going to want to do crazy stuff. And then eventually she's going to want to drive. Then eventually she's going to be on her own. There's a progress that happens, but it starts simple. And so the, 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 the kind of encouragement is like wherever you are, whether you're on the milk, whether you're a little bit more, you know, you got the applesauce, whether you're in Hidden Valley Ranch area, or whether you're on the steak, keep your desire. Keep the desire to grow. Keep the desire to grow. Keep the desire to grow. And when we keep the desire to grow, when we keep this desire to be close to Jesus, we're able to go. Keep this desire to grow. That's what he's saying. Keep it to grow. And what I love about it is he's like, have a craving for more of what God has to offer. That God has so much more to offer than sometimes we realize. And sometimes we just want to stop. And Paul's like, Peter's like, no, 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 listen, listen. God's got more. God's got more. Keep this desire to want to grow. Keep this desire to experience all that God has to offer. God wants to offer you more. Why settle for less? Keep this desire. Keep it, this desire to grow. And we kind of understand this as, as, you know, you're growing up. Like when you're young, what do you want to be? You want to be older. When you're older, what do you want to be? You want to be younger, right? But you, you understand this as, as when you're young, you have this desire to keep going further, to want to grow up, to experience the next stage in life. And sometimes I'm wishing, like, man, I would, I would go back and let my parents pay my bills, right? You know, I don't want to be a full-grown adult sometimes, right? But when you're younger, you have this desire to keep going further. I remember a couple years ago, well, several years ago now, I guess I'm older, a long time ago, um, I was, uh, during Christmas break, I had some family friends who lived in northern Wisconsin, like way, way up there, like I didn't even know that part of the country existed, way up there, right? And so they wanted us to come visit, so my cousin Dylan and I decided to go visit, and we had one kind of agenda on the trip. They wanted to take us skiing and snowboarding. And I come from flat Illinois, right? So the only time I really saw hills, I'm going to be honest, I thought I could snowboard like I thought I could be in the X Games. But the only time I really saw snow hills was when the snowplow came through my town and made a little mountain, like it was like maybe this tall. And like I never fell off that once. So I figured I, I, I could go to Wisconsin and you know, snowboard, like no, no big deal. Or maybe I'd see a small hill every once in a while. And so they take us up there. We go up there and they're like, listen, boys. We're like, we know you want that big hill. They're like, absolutely, X Games, bro. Like, Sean White, that's who I am. And they're like, it's a lot harder than you think, so you need to start with skis. 
And I'm like, skis? Like, nerds ski. No offense. Like, nerds ski. I snowboard. Like, I, I've never snowboarded, but I thought I could snowboard. And so they're like, okay, you can snowboard, right? Do whatever you want to do. You're like, you're 13 or 14. You know everything. Do whatever you want to do. They're like, but you got to start on the bunny hill first to show us. So we're like, all right, sweet. That's where it all went wrong. Because to get up that bunny hill, you have to grab this rope. And that rope, for some reason, we couldn't figure it out. A bunch, bunch of Illinois flatland boys. We just couldn't figure out that rope. So, like, we're knocking everybody down. We're falling the whole time. Eventually, we make it up to the bunny hill. And I'm not kidding. We, we snowboarded for four hours. We probably made it down that hill twice. Like, it was a long day. But I had this desire. I, I wanted more. I saw it. I saw the big hill. I wanted more. I thought I had it figured out. But I was young, and I wanted more. And sometimes in faith, like, hey, we may not have it all figured out. We may not know how to get there, but we got to have this desire. But if we can get, like, really, really uncomfortable just for, like, a second, like, get a little preachy, I, I see this happen. When it comes to our faith walk, sometimes we get comfortable with the way things are. And this is what's interesting. If I offered you, like if I had like $10,000 up here, I said, hey, I can guarantee you a fast way to make $10,000 in a week. You're like, oh, I want to learn. Like you're like, finally, I can fill up my truck and afford it, right? $10,000, like I want it. You're like, this is how you make $10,000 more. You're like, yes, I want it. Right, awesome. Or if I could show some of you how to get better at basketball, you might... Some of you are limited in that, but I can teach you. If I can teach you, I promise you, you're gonna get better. Like, I got it. If I can teach you how to, if we can teach you, hey, here's how to have a better marriage in like a five-step process. Like, I got it, because I want more. And like every area of our life, sometimes we want more. We want deeper, we want to go further. But sometimes, if we get preachy, right? We get to the, the spot in our faith, we're like, I think I'm good. Like, hey, Nathan, I, I really, really like this idea that you sh we should go. Like, that's awesome. Like, we should be a church beyond our walls. I like it. It sounds good. You want to do it? Ah, I'm a little busy. No, like, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, ah, I don't know if I want to. Hey, hey, Nathan, I love that our next gen needs volunteers. Like, oh, you want to do it? Nah, I think I'm good. I think sometimes in faith, we get to this point where like, hey, I'm good. Like, I'm good with God. I'm good where I'm at. I'm comfortable. Peter says, never get to the stage. Never get to the point where you don't crave more of what God has to offer. Because at every stage, in every level, you can experience God on a deeper level. That this is a pursuit towards God, and it never stops. He's like, don't settle. And what I would, would hate to happen is that 10 years from now, instead of looking at us and seeing that we went, that we receive a letter from someone like, for, for, like what we read in Hebrews. It says this. It says, there's much more we like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain since, especially since you're spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Like, excuse me, sir. Like, who are you? Right? That's what I would say reading this. He's like, listen, there's so much more that we want to tell you about what God wants to do in your life. So much more than God has to offer, but you're not ready to experience it yet. If we stay on that newborn example, he's like, hey, we want to give you the steak, but you're still on the bottle. And then he continues, he's like, you've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk. And so in this instance, the milk is not the nourishment, right? It's, the, it's like settling and cannot eat solid food. And the solid food would be the good stuff. And he's like, some of you should be teachers by now. Like, hey, isn't that your job? It is. But everything we do preaches and everything we do teaches. That all of us, we need to be on this pursuit of knowing more about Jesus. So we, as we're living life, 
we can teach and we can preach with our actions, with our words, with how we're, we're living in our marriages, with how we're living in our, our offices, how we're handling conflict. Because everything we do preaches and everything we do teaches. And, and he's like, listen, I want to give you more, but I can't. He's like, don't settle for less when God wants to offer you more. And, and when you're not pursuing to grow, when you don't want this deepness that God has to offer, you're settling for less. And wh why would you do that? Because you don't do that any other area of your life. And then he continues. Like for, some, for someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skills to recognize the difference between, good, between right and wrong. You say, listen, when you have the good stuff, you know what to do. You know how to live. And, and I, I don't want to mistake, I don't want anybody to mistake this. Like, we don't, want, we don't expect anybody to be perfect. Not a single person that you're looking at in this church is perfect. Not a single person in this church at all is perfect. And none of us are going to look down on other people because of where they're at. But our desire as leadership, our desire, my desire for you to experience your best relation with God is that we're always in this progression in the direction of Jesus. That whatever it looks like for you, whatever stage you may come in, wherever you're at, you may be brand new. My desire and my hope for you is that a week from now, two weeks from now, that you're closer to Jesus, that you're pursuing Jesus, that, that if you've been doing it for a long time, you're farther along than us, but you're, in, you're pursuing Jesus just like you did the day you first found him, or he first found you. Remember that excitement, the excitement you had, like, oh, I know Jesus, he's changing my life, and there's this fire. My desire is that that fire in our lives doesn't burn out. Maybe seasons where it, it, it seems a little darker and seems like it's going to burn out, but we don't burn out because we're continuing to pursue Jesus. And so these verses tell us something, that there's spiritual immaturity. And that's the one who drinks only milk and, and doesn't look to grow. No difference in the way we live. We just consume. But then there's another reality. There's spiritual maturity. That craves more, may not be able to handle it yet, right? They may not be in the stage that they can handle it, but they crave more. They live on mission. They're trying to know Jesus, to make Jesus known. And then as they're doing this, God is changing them. The Holy Spirit is changing them, and they're living on mission. And they're becoming more and more like Jesus. This doesn't have to do with how many books of the Bible you know. It doesn't have to do if you, with if you can read Greek or Hebrew. It's this idea that I want to pursue Jesus. I want to know more of him. I want him to change my life. And if you're on that path, that's what spiritual maturity looks like. And across this church, I love it because we're all over the spectrum. We got people who are farther along, some people in the middle, some people who are brand new. But we're all pursuing Jesus together. And what we're doing is becoming a community that learns to pursue Jesus together and helping each other along. And we do this so we can go out into the world and let them know, hey, Jesus loves you, and here's what Jesus has to offer. So I, I want to introduce my, my first shoe of the day for the series. Look at these. Nice Velcro shoes. Anybody remember these growing up, right? Now, Natalie wasn't as cool as I am, apparently, or maybe, because uh, she's got Nike Velcros. I had growing up the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Velcro shoes with the red lights. Anybody have those? The greatest shoe ever made, right? The Velcro. And, and here's the reality. We all start with, with Velcro, right? You kind of start learning shoes, and we all learn or all start with some Velcro. What's the greatness of Velcro? You don't have to know how to tie your shoes yet, do you? Right? Nope. You don't have to worry about double knots. Nope. Parents love these because you don't have to tie your kid's shoes all the time. You just got to Velcro them. And so all you had to do as a kid with Velcro shoes is Velcro them up. And for some reason, you thought they made you really fast to run to adults and say, hey, look how fast I can run. Right? That's all you had to do. You don't have to worry about anything else. And everybody starts with Velcro, right? right? We all start there. Now, Natalie is almost two. If I came back to her with these shoes when she was 14, 
She's going to say, Dad, you are the worst, right? You embarrass me, right? She's not going to want them anymore. She's going to have a desire, hopefully not to wear Crocs, but to wear like some Air Force Ones or something, right? But she's going to have a desire for more. And that's what you realize in your life. Like, we all start with, with Velcro faith. We all start with not very much knowledge. We all start with the same starting line. We all start with understanding Jesus wants to change us. But you don't want to stay there forever, right? You don't want to stay in the Velcro phase. Now, here's how life works, unfortunately. You leave the Velcro stage for several years, and then eventually as you get a little bit older, you may want to go back to the Velcro stage. No shame in that, right? Okay? But it may happen, but you, you, you want more, right? You want some laces. Now, there's some struggle, like when you teach a kid to tie their shoes, they may come undone, right? You may, you, they may have to double knot them a couple times. They may trip on them. But you don't want to stay in the Velcro stage. But we all start here, right? So tiny, so cute, right? We don't expect anybody to just overnight change. But again, our, our desire is this, that we're not a church that stays in the Velcro stage. That we're a church, a community, that we can have some tough conversations. That we're growing and we're maturing. And it, it may look different for other people. And we want to make a, a place where no matter where you're at and what walk you're on, that you feel welcomed here and we're helping you along in that journey. But we want to grow. I, I love what Paul wrote in Colossians. He says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and will overflow with thankfulness. We just desire to be a community that knows Jesus, makes Jesus known, and helps each other grow. Again, wherever you're at today, we're so glad you're here. Is this your first time here? Welcome. It's awesome to have you. That's your first step. That is the biggest step. Sometimes that's the hardest step to take, and it's so awesome to have you. Eventually, we want our, our roots to grow deep into him. And we want our lives to be built on him. And we want our, for our lives to be deeply formed by Jesus. That as we're going and making decisions about who to marry, where to live, how to treat people, how to vote, how to act, that we're deeply formed by Jesus and we're pursuing him, we're craving to know what he wants to do in our lives. And Jesus said this, remain in me. And I'll remain in you. That's the promise. Remain in me, I'll remain in you. As you go, go through life, remain in me, I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. We're not looking for a list of rules. We're not looking for thou shalt and thou shalt not. We want to be a community that pursues Jesus together. It's about living a life that desires to pursue Jesus in every stage of our life, no matter where we are, and that we're humble enough and kind enough and loving enough to not look down on people who are maybe not be the stage we are, but to help them along the way and let them know Jesus has more to offer and let them know that Jesus has this for life, that we're a church that's always on the move, moving towards our community, moving towards Jesus, because we believe, not that we can save anybody, because if it's up to us, we're gonna fail, but we believe that Jesus saves us in every stage and any stage of our lives. And our life mission as a church and as individuals is to lace them up and to make them known. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful, so, so thankful for who you are. We're so thankful you call us in a relationship with you. God, you know, maybe today we're here in this Velcro stage. God, that's awesome. We, we, we pray that over the next five, six weeks, God, that you move in our lives that we know you better, we know what you want us to do better, we know your will, 
God, but I just thank you that you call us into relationship with you. So what we're gonna do in the next several moments, we're gonna stand, we're gonna sing, we're gonna worship you. In these next several moments, Father, we're gonna ask your spirit to move and to help us draw just a little closer to you. See your great precious name we pray, amen.